Wherever you are in your adoption journey, we are a community centered around love, trust, and respect for the experience and opportunities that have made us families. We promise to share, encourage, support, and celebrate the day-to-day of adoptive mamahood together. I'm Liz. And I'm Sarah. And together, we are Two Adoptive Mamas. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Two Adoptive Mamas. It's Liz and Sarah. Good morning. And we're really excited um, to talk to Cheryl Bernat today. Cheryl is from a local agency and provides post-adoption support. And I am not going to say too much more, but allow her to share how she's connected to the adoption community. Um, Cheryl, we are so excited to have you today. Thank you for joining us at Two Adoptive Mamas. Hi. Well, thank you for having me. Um... Yeah, just a little bit about myself. I've been working in the adoption field for probably about 20 years. Um, I've been in my current position, I don't know, maybe five years or so. Um, I'm connected to the adoption community in a number of ways because I myself um, was adopted as an infant into my family. Um, So adoption is part of my life story. It's also part of my family story in that I'm an adoptive parent. Um, and I have three children through adoption. Um, So that gives me some different perspective. Um, And I also do adoption as my job. So I'm very much connected in a variety of ways um, to the community I work with. You are definitely very well connected. And that just makes us extra excited to have this conversation with you today. So let's dive in a little bit more. Tell us about the organization you work for and more specifically the role that you play, Cheryl. Sure. I work for um, a local organization here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's called Kobe's Family Services. Um, And we provide a a variety of services to families. Um, We have a foster care program. We have an adoption program. We have therapy services, and we also have family life education services. So quite a variety of services for families. I specifically work in our adoption unit and am working in the post-permanency services. Um, And those services um, offer a variety of services. It's available in Pennsylvania to any family who has adopted. It does not matter what avenue. You don't have to adopt through foster care or international, private, it doesn't matter. Um, We also provide the services to kinship families. Um, So if you have a legal court document that says you have custody of this child, you are welcome to be part of this program. Um, And this program, there's three main facets to post-permanency services in our state. They're under the headings of case management, respite and support group. And within those different facets, it can look very different for different families. Um, In general, case management can be be a variety of services. I can work with families to connect with birth family of the child if they wanna do some outreach or connection or visits, whatever that may look like for a family. Um, I work with families to help connect them to services. Um, that they may need um, to give them ideas and suggestions for things um, to kind of put in place. Um, Nothing they have to do. This is just a voluntary, like, here I am, here's some ideas. Let me know what you think about it. We try to work together as a team um, to kind of come alongside the family and and support them in, in 
whatever they may need. Um, support groups is pretty much what like it sounds. There's a lot of different support groups running. There's ones for teenagers, there's ones for kids, there's ones for families, uh, ones for specifically for moms that I've seen. So it, it's a great resource for families. And then the other unit of services for respite, and that can look very different for different families. Um, for some families who are dealing with kids who have some big behaviors, they may have not have the resources within their support network to care for the child. So it can be out of home care that we um, provide. We use our licensed foster families to provide care um, for the child to give the family a bit of a break so they can you know, do whatever they need to do um, and get a refresher. Um, and it also can be non-traditional respite. We can help with things like camp and different things like that. Um, so it's a free service. There is some funding available for certain things that the family may want to may want to participate in. Um, so that's that's also a great great thing for families to have some funding behind some of these things. I think it's so great um, how kind of how you broke it down and all the different avenues that you can help a family. Um, just to uh, I guess briefly go into you know you had mentioned it's state specific for for the state that your agency is in. For our listeners who might not be in Pennsylvania, um, have you heard of comparable uh, comparable services or post permanency support in other states? And what would be your best recommendation um, for a family in another state who is potentially looking for something like post adoption support? Yeah, um, as far as I know, I know for a number of years, Pennsylvania was the only state that had a statewide system set up across the state. Um, but I do know that other states were looking to also replicate that in their state. So it is very possible at this point, there are other states who have a statewide system. I think my best recommendation would be to call your local adoption agency and just tell them kind of what you're looking for and ask if they know of anything that's available. Um, just maybe even the state agency that does foster care in your, because um, I know that local um, children and youth agencies in, in Pennsylvania are very aware of the program. So if there is something available, some of those entities may be able to guide them. Um, maybe checking the website of their state um, human services that may, it may be listed there as well if there are some type of services available. Some agencies, I believe, have started up some things on their own that they do. Um, I know that in, I believe it's Maryland, there's the Center for Adoption Support and Education case it's known by, and they run a lot of support groups and trainings and different things and provide a lot of good support. That's the only one I'm really aware of. Um, that's out of state, but I'm sure there are many others. That's good to know. Thanks, Cheryl. Um, so at Two Adoptive Mamas, we talk about hard is hard. Um, and just, you know, for our listeners that um, maybe haven't heard us talk about that before, just realizing that we're not to compare necessarily what one family's heart is to ours, just that heart is hard. And we're here to walk through that together. Um, so tell us, Cheryl, what is something um, that is hard um, that your post-permanency team is facing in the field? Well, I think at the moment, one of the things that has been really a struggle um, with COVID has been 
connecting in person to families. Um, we do do that. We are back to doing that, but I felt like that really disconnected us a little bit from our families and didn't really give us the feel that we like in our department. Um, I think what has also happened is in general, there, there is resources out there, but what we find those resources aren't always as trauma-informed or adoption-informed as our as we need. And so that kind of has limited our pool. And at our agency, we like to recommend places that we know other families have used and have been successful. We don't just like to give, you know, here's a list of 25 counseling places in our, in our area. We like to really give a more personal recommendation. Um, so I think there's been a frustration as far as the amount of providers, particularly for, um, services for children who have higher needs. Um, there seems to be a limit on that. And the good places or the places that, you know, are well known for doing really good work have really long wait line, wait lists. So that's, that's a frustration of ours for the families that we can't just, you know, get them into some of these things. I think the other thing that has been a struggle for our agency is respite providers. Like I said, we use our um, foster care families. However, they quickly get filled up because there's lots of new kids coming into foster care. And so our pool of families sometimes is pretty small. And that um, I think can be frustrating for us as workers because we really know this family needs a break. We really know that they don't have someone in their own support network who can provide for this child. We want to help out you know, as much as we can. And so that can be frustrating sometimes when we can't find a resource for them. Yeah. Um, I, well, I can imagine how that would be very frustrating for you all and for your families before we kind of switch more to that, you know, on the ground, like family support, I would love to hear if your team has a philosophy of care or some kind of philosophy for how your team approaches this post-adoption support, you know, talking about the services has been really helpful, but is there, is there something behind that, some foundational approach that you all share? Um, I think, well, our general philosophy, I mean, I think our mission statement for our agency um, is basically motivated by Christian faith. Kobe's Family Services educates, support, and empowers children and adults to reach their full potential. So I feel like we embody that in post-permanency. Um, we also strive to meet families where they're at. We want to treat every family as unique. Um, and meet them where they're at and not push things on them to embrace them and make them feel like we get it, we understand, we're not here to judge, we're not here to say you should have done this five years ago. We are here to support you now and let's walk forward and let's see what we can do together. Um, so I think it's really, we have some families who really want a lot of interaction with us and really want us to come a lot and be really active, like go to school meetings and do different things like that. And we have other families to say, here's what I really need. I really need some ideas for self-care. I really need some support around this. I really need to find camps for my kids or very specific ideas. So we just um, really meet families where they're at. That's one of our, our main goals. So Cheryl, kind of pivoting back to the heart is hard piece, um, would you be able to share with us any kind of common themes um, that you see 
among your families, um, just like in the heart that they're facing. Um, you mentioned um, big behaviors and the need for respite care, but any other common themes that you see? I think in the midst of it, there's a lot of exhaustion and feeling hopeless and feeling, there's a lot of, of feelings that get tied up in that and feeling maybe some shame um, as a parent that what I'm trying isn't working and we're in this place and we have to ask for help. Um, I think one of the big things that oh, we also, we really advocate strongly for is self-care. Um, I feel like in the midst of dealing with the trauma and that's happening with the kids and all the behaviors, a lot of times what we see are moms and dads have put themselves last on the list and the self-care is not happening. And I think for a lot of people that feels very selfish to take time to go get a massage or to take time to go to the gym or to take time to do whatever recharges them. Um, and I think we try to come in alongside them and say, but we need you to be here for the kid. Like if, if mom and dad aren't strong and go down, this whole ship is sinking. Like we, you really need, it's very, very important to the, to the health of your family. I think that in marital enrichment, because I feel like what we see often is behaviors can triangulate and can kind of drive a wedge sometimes in between mom and dad. Mom and dad might have a different view of how to deal with these behaviors or what's happening. And sometimes there can be um, a division there. So like figuring out ways to help them support their marriage in the midst of all of that. I think those are some of the big things we repeatedly um, see and really can help strengthen. Yeah. I mean, I think we could vouch for our own personal experiences, but also our listeners that those are themes that are, are common, but often not talked about. Um, and I think asking for help can be really hard, um, for some adoptive parents and well, I think asking for help can be hard for anybody, <laughs> but, um, I'm specifically, I'm curious, you know, what hurdles and barriers have you seen that for our adoptive parents to specifically ask for help for picking up the phone and making that call and saying, Hey, we need to do this. Um, what are some hurdles and barriers that our families are have to overcome and how can, how can we overcome that? Yeah, I think one of the first ones that comes to mind is the fact that there's a lot of families who are not aware of this program, and that may seem unusual, but the state doesn't really do advertising for it. They rely on the affiliates to really get the word out. So I've, there's a lot of families, I mean, I have some families who are coming through that children are 17, almost turning 18, weren't aware prior to this, that this, this service existed. Um, so I think just keeping to get the word out to let families know, because that can be a barrier if they don't even know um, what's out there. I think families are overwhelmed and exhausted. Um, and so picking up the phone to call somebody, even though it may be something that could be helpful, it's another person to come into your life. It's another person you have to talk to your story about. It's another um, you know, provider. A lot of our families have been with various providers. They've tried these different services. They've been here, they've been, you know, hoping each one's gonna make, make a difference. So um, I think just breaking through that exhaustion and overwhelmed and um, those can be big bears. I think also the fear of being judged by somebody that they're in this place um, where they need some assistance can be a barrier for some families. Um, so I think that's why we really try to 
to let them know that we're just here to assist them and we're not in any way going to judge them for, for where they're at. We understand it, we get it. Um, I personally have walked the journey, so I, you know, I fully understand what it's like. Um, so yeah, and I think to break through that, we just continue to get get the word out to talk to other families. A lot of our families that come in that are new, it's word of mouth from other families that are out there talking and saying, "Hey, there's this service. Did you know about it? Here's how it helped my family." Yeah, that's a great segue kind of into what I wanted to ask you next, Cheryl, and recognizing that most of our days, um, you know, kind of ebb and flow, um, and these, all of these trials and challenges kind of come in seasons and some are harder than harder than others. Um, so tell us a little bit why post-adoption support is important in every season, the ones that seem to be more gentle than others and those that are most challenging. Yes, absolutely. I believe um, that in those quieter moments or times when things aren't as challenging in the family is a great time to kind of set up some good habits and some good practices. And maybe, um, for instance, incorporating self-care and some marriage things just into the daily you know, heartbeat of your life. And like, this is how we do things. So when we get to those harder places, um, these are kind of already a habit and already going um, and established in our family can be very, very um, helpful. Um, I also think for those families who are hesitant to ask for help, to ask in a moment for something when things maybe aren't that hard, just helps prepare them for when things are hard. Um, it's kind of like practicing, you know, practicing telling your child the story when they're little, and then we get comfortable with it and can talk more about it when they're older. Um, I think it's that kind of also philosophy. Maybe there are two or three now, and we're not experiencing a lot of untypical childhood behaviors, but maybe we want to prepare to look ahead for when they're 14 and 15 and 16 and hitting some new developmental stages and new things are going to come up. Um, so it can be helpful to get in when things aren't a crisis or as immediate of a need um, so we can sort of establish some of these things ahead of time. I think that's really great advice and one um, that I know I'll take <laughs> for our own personal journey. So thank you for sharing. Before we wrap up, Cheryl, I just wanted to hear um, if you're willing to share, you know, you had mentioned at the beginning and, and then again, just recently, you know, you've walked this journey as an adoptee and an adoptive parent. So can you share a little bit of your heart and passion, how it is your story kind of fueling the work that you do um, and as an adoptive parent and an adoptee, so you're someone who gets it. Uh, what's something that you can share for someone who needs it? <laughs> Um, I think the biggest thing from my journey, and I will say this as my journey as a, as a mother, would be um, asking for help and not closing yourself in when things get, get hard. Um, for my situation, my son had behaviors that you know, we got it, had to get involved with the law and we had to get involved with all these different systems that you're like, you never thought you'd be involved with. And it can be a place where you're very, um, 
you know, you can be very ashamed of where my family's at. And I think as a society, I mean, I may be pulling in bigger things, but as a society, we can be very judged as parents and very like, oh, what are you doing? Why is that happening? So I think not closing off from people um, and reaching out for help. And I think self-care for me personally, that was something I put on a back burner. Um, and I was like, nope, don't need to do that. Don't have time to do that. Don't have energy to do that. We're just not gonna, you know, dive into that. Um, and I think for me to real, once I started realizing that, once I started making that a priority, that was very, very helpful. Um, so I'm very passionate about, you know, um, I think I've, I've said it a couple of times, but taking care of the marriage, taking care of the, um, yourself and then getting good supports in to really help. Cause I think that was key in my situation. It felt once we got some really good services in place, um, that was very, very helpful for our family. Um, so yeah. And I think the number one thing that I think helps with my background in this position is when I truly say, I'm not going to judge, I am not going to I have heard it. I've lived it. I have lived it. I've heard it or I've seen it like, and I'm not, okay. Not everything. I can't say everything, but there's a lot. There is a lot. Um, and so when families, I had a family recently sit and tell me, oh my word, you probably, you probably totally get this then what that was like. And I was like, well, not my situation was exactly the same, but yes, I can understand. I can understand those feelings of oh my word, this is so hard, or are we the only family going through this? So I'm really um, passionate about connecting families with support as well, that they're not in this alone and that they connect to their support system and keep plugged in. So I think those are some of the key things. Well, Cheryl, something that we've always talked about here at Two Adoptive Mamas is that we cannot do this alone and it takes a village and um, the work that you are doing through Kobe's um, and as an adoptive mom, um, you are part of that village. And we're just really grateful that you were willing to share with our listeners um, today about the importance of post-permanency services, um, how to find them and tangibly what that looks like um, and how there are opportunities to let others step in and care and help and support. So thank you so much um, for being with us today um, and for sharing your heart and also your work um, and just being open with us. We really appreciate it. And for our listeners, remember, you've got this mama. so much for listening. We'd be honored if you would leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. We're so grateful for your time and hope you can help us share our message with others. Remember to stay connected with Two Adoptive Mamas at twoadoptivemamas.com slash connect. We look forward to being back with you soon, but until then, remember, you've got this mama.